You are listening to the Purpose Church High School Ministry Podcast. Whether this is your first episode or you've heard them all, God has something to say to you. Our vision is to see every student everywhere following Jesus, and we hope this message helps you take your next step in your faith. To learn more about our high school ministry, visit our website, purposechurch.com HSM, and check us out on Instagram at purposehsm. We hope you enjoy today's episode. In week two of Supernatural, last week, Pastor JT did a phenomenal job talking about God and Satan, opening up our series. Our two big ideas from last week were this. Number one, God is, we defined God. We said God is eternal, perfectly loving, all-knowing, he is in all places, and he is all-powerful. If you're new to this whole religion thing or spirituality or Christianity, you need to understand that we worship a God, we believe in a God who has always existed. Not a God that we created in our image, but a God who created us in his image. But at the same time, we define Satan, and I think it was really, really important for us to do that, because I think some of us may have walked into this room last week thinking that God and Satan were kind of equals, right? Like they're kind of going at it, and they both have always existed, and and we're not sure who's going to win in the end, but it was very important for us last week to recognize and remember that God is eternal, meaning he has always existed. He's all-powerful, all-knowing, in all places. He's perfect. And yet the definition of Satan is this. Satan is a created angel. God is the uncreated one. God is the creator. Nothing created God. God always existed. And yet Satan was a created angel. We defined it this way. Satan is a created angel who rebelled and now desires to make your future look like his. Make no mistake about it, every temptation that comes your way, no matter how beautifully it's packaged, no matter how much you go, man, that would taste really good, that would feel really good, man, that could be a really cool experience, it is, though it may be packaged in what seems really awesome, inside of it is death. Inside of it is Satan's desire for your future to look identical to his. Well, tonight, tonight we're continuing our investigation of the supernatural. Tonight we're talking about angels and demons. Where do angels and demons fit into the supernatural world? How do they fit into our world here? And I think it's so important that we're having these conversations because there's a lot of myths out there. There's a lot of misinformation out there. And I'm going to be reading a ton of scripture tonight. We're going to fly through this content. Maybe you'll need to even watch it again on on our Vimeo channel or listen to it on podcast because we are going to go over a lot of details. But I want you to leave this place informed about what the scripture says about angels and what the scriptures have to say about demons. Because honestly, there's a lot of confusion out there. I was thinking of how, how confusion can mess with the way we live our lives. Just last night, for those of you that know me, I have four kids and I was tucking our girls into bed. I was tucking Brinley and Lila into bed. Brinley's five years old and Lila's three years old. And so I was tucking them into bed last night. We're having a really precious moment cuddling them. And then Brinley looks at me. And if you know Brinley, she just always says the craziest stuff. Brinley looks at me and she goes, hey, dad, you're not my real dad. (laughs) To which I'm like, what is your deal? Like, why do you go after me like this? I freaking wiped your butt for the diapers. Like, why are you doing this? 
And she goes, you're not my real dad. And I'm like, are you serious? And then Lila is just like kind of a parrot of Brinley. Like she just literally, three seconds later, repeats. And she goes, yeah, you're not my real dad. And I'm like, you're joking. I, like, I remember you. You're, I'm your dad. And they go, no, no, no. Then they go, like, they go, they go, God's my real dad. I'm like, how do you argue that? You know what I mean? Like, I'm like, like I don't want to get in your way, but I'm also your dad. So I, kind of, I try to explain. I'm like, uh, okay, okay, I'm your earthly father. God is your heavenly father. And Brinley goes, nah, you're not my real dad. <laughs> and we just have this kind of confusing conversation back and forth with each other. And it's because she is learning that God is her father and some reason believes I can't also be her earthly father, right? And I think that for some of us, how we talk about the supernatural, how we talk about God and Satan and angels and demons and next week, Jesus and miracles, and then our last week, what is spiritual warfare? There's honestly a lot of confusion out there. And so my hope is tonight is that we bring some clarity so that your view of angels might be put in its right place. And maybe your interest in demons or your uncertainty about them, that you would begin to realize that while angels are really awesome and interesting to learn about, demons are dangerous. And so what I want to talk about for a few minutes is I want to define what is an angel, what is a demon, and I want to talk about five things that make angels awesome and five things that make demons incredibly dangerous. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I ask that you would speak to us tonight, that as we open your word, as we look at a plethora of scriptures from the Old Testament and the New Testament, as we gain a better understanding of how angels function and how demons function, that God, we would be drawn towards an even greater love and devotion and commitment to you. In Jesus' name we pray, and all God's people said, amen. Amen. Hey, get out your notes. I'm going to want you to be writing some notes. We have some pens underneath your chairs if you want to go. Hey, what's up, Char? Do you guys see Charlie back there? That's my oldest son. He's just, dude, he's rocking the Heelys right now. You see him on those Heelys? You guys remember when those are cool? That's cool. All right. Um, so go ahead and pass the pens. Go ahead and pass the pens underneath. Here's where we're going to begin. Let me define for us. And again, I'm going to need you guys, and I know you can do this. I'm going to need you to hang with me. We're going to do a deep dive here into angels and demons. Let's define what angels are. Okay, when you open up your Bible, when you open up your Bible, you will read phrases about angels, and then especially in the Old Testament, you will read this phrase that says, an angel of the Lord, an angel of the Lord. First, I want to define for you that when, when we're talking about the Old Testament, the Hebrew scriptures, before Jesus came into the world, the Old Testament talks about angels, and then it talks about an angel of the Lord. Whenever it's talking about an angel of the Lord, it's actually a way of referring to God's spirit. I want to show you this in Exodus chapter 3, verses 1 to 5. Maybe some of you have heard this story before. Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the far side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. There, an angel of the Lord, okay, there, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. Moses saw that though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. So Moses thought, I will go over and see this strange sight. Why the bush did not burn up. When the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush. So this phrase, an angel of the Lord, was a phrase that the Hebrew writers, the writers of the Old Testament would use 
when they were describing God. So you have an angel of the Lord, but then you have an actual, then you have an actual angel. You write this down in your notes. If you're looking for a definition of angels, it's this. Angels are awesome spiritual beings who serve God and his purposes. Angels are awesome spiritual beings who serve God and his purposes. In Psalm 148 verse 2, it says this. Praise God, all his angels. Praise him, all his heavenly hosts. Now, whenever the scriptures talk about angels, usually they're referenced without a body, right? They don't have a body. And yet, here's what's interesting, and it's a difference between angels and demons. Demons are never referenced as having a body in and of themselves. We'll talk about this in a minute. They can inhabit a body, but they never have a body in and of themselves. And yet, there is this really crazy reality within the supernatural world that God has created where angels are most often sort of in a, in a spiritual realm and yet every once in a while they actually exhibit having a body. Check this out, uh, an example in Matthew chapter 28 verse 5, it says this, the angel said to the woman, do not be afraid for I know you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. This was literally a bodily angel who was talking to Mary and the disciples who were coming to look for Jesus' body after his resurrection. And they're not just talking to the spirit thing, they're talking to an embodied angel. I mean, this is absolutely insane. Here, here's another example for you. And this is one of my favorite verses. This is such an interesting idea. Check out what it says in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 2. It says, do not forget to show hospitality to strangers, for by so doing, some people have shown hospitality to angels without knowing it. This is crazy, you guys. But scripture that records the story of God working in the world illuminates something to us, that there are angels walking around in our presence that we don't even know are angels, and that quite possibly we have been hospitable to them, kind to them, welcoming to them, loving to them, when all the while they were actually angels. I mean, what a crazy concept, right? Let's keep digging in together. There's obviously lots of examples of angels in their spirit form. One of them is in Hebrews chapter 114 where it says, Are not all angels ministering spirits sent to serve those who will inherit salvation? So oftentimes when the Bible talks about angels, it's, it's describing them in a spiritual form, though sometimes they have a body. There's two angels that are mentioned by name in the Bible. There's the angel Gabriel and then the angel Michael. We don't know if all the angels that God has created have names. It wouldn't be surprising to me. I could absolutely see God doing that. I mean, he loves giving us names. He'll give us names at the end of our lives as we enter into the new heaven and the new earth. And so I would imagine they do, though we only know about two of them. There's also these kind of three categories for angels in the Bible. There's these angels called the cherubim, and they are the angels that kind of guard Eden. There's the seraphim. There's these, these the word seraphim literally means burning ones, like ones that are on fire in the presence of God. And then lastly, there's a third type that's described in Revelation as these living creatures that have wings and arms and, and eyes, multiple eyes, and it kind of a crazy picture of something that God has created that we won't even see 
until we enter into heaven someday. That's a little bit of background about angels. Let me just share with you quickly five things that make angels really awesome. If you're taking notes, go ahead and write this down. Number one is this. Angels can experience joy. Write that down in your notes. It's the first fill in the blank. Angels can experience joy. In Luke 15, it says this. In the same way I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. I want to do something real quick. In this room, in this room, if you, since being a high school student, if you have surrendered your life to Christ, can you raise your hand? Raise your hand if you've become a Christian since you've been in high school. I want you to look around this room real quick. Keep your hands up. Look around this room. You know that every single one of you, that when you made that moment, when you made that decision to surrender your life to Jesus, I was going to say surrender your life to Charlie, but even you, Charlie, surrender your life to Jesus. When Charlie did it, when Crystal did it, when Sam did it, when Solly did it, when Luke did it, when, when all of you did it, when Melissa did it, when all of you surrendered your life to Jesus, Scripture says that angels were celebrating. How cool is that, that God created these spiritual beings who can experience joy and celebration? This is why every time somebody surrenders their life to Jesus here in this room, we always celebrate because heaven is having a party and the angels are cheering loudly. Number two, angels have a relationship with God and then you can write this in and they obey him. Angels have a relationship with God and they obey him. Psalm 103 says, praise the Lord, you his angels, you mighty ones who do his bidding, who obey his word. You see, angels are in this really special, unique relationship with God. They are not God, they are not equal with God, but they are in relationship with God and they obey him. They follow him. They do what he calls them to do. Number three, this is an interesting one. Angels are limited in their knowledge, okay? So we talked about it last week. God knows everything. He knows every thought you've ever thought. He knows everything you've ever experienced. He knows exactly what is gonna happen. God is all-knowing. Well, angels, not so much. Check out what it says in Matthew 24, 36. But about that day or hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. This is Jesus talking when he was in bodily form, saying, the angels don't even know when I am going to return. So we know angels have a limited knowledge. Number four, angels have Power. This is a crazy one, you guys. And again, I love talking about these crazy things. It's in the scriptures. We're going to try to unpack it. I'll be honest with you. I don't fully understand all this stuff. But angels have power to alter things on earth according to God's will. This is important. I'll talk about this in a second. But scripture nowhere commands us to pray to angels. It commands us nowhere to try to talk with angels or to be in a relationship with angels because angels are completely submissive to the will of God. They literally do everything according to God's will. Check out what this passage says in Acts chapter 5. But during the night, an angel of the Lord. Now remember, in the Old Testament, when it says an angel of the Lord, it's referring to God's spirit. But by the time the New Testament is written, there's a word for that, the Holy Spirit. And so this, an angel of the Lord, is literally describing an angel. And this is what he does. An angel of the Lord opened the doors of the jail and brought them out. Paul and a few others were in prison. And an angel of the Lord intervened. That God sent an angel 
to do his work. And then number five, angels worship God and so will we alongside them in heaven. In Revelation 5, 11, it says, then I looked and I heard the voice of many angels numbering thousands upon thousands and 10,000 times 10,000. They encircled the throne of the living creatures and the elders. In a loud voice, they were saying, worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and praise. Here's what I want us to do is we're going to read that line together. We're going to join with all of heaven, with all the angels, all the living creatures in God's presence who are saying these words right now. We are going to join them. So on the count of three, will you read with me where it says worthy? Let's go back to that verse real quick. Um, can we go back to that verse real quick where it said worthy? Yikes. There we go. All right. Worthy. Here we go. On the count of three. One, two, three. Worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and praise. Did y'all feel it? Did you get the goosebumps? We just joined heaven as heaven is crying out as angels and the living creatures are screaming at the top of their lungs who God is. Let me clarify something here for you. Maybe you've thought, well, once like we die and then we're resurrected and we're with God, do we become angels? No. Nowhere in scripture does it say that we become angels. And in fact, here's another interesting point. I was actually talking with Ava, one of our life group leaders today. And we're talking about how it's really cool that in scripture, never does it say that God sent his son to redeem angels, but God sent his son to save people. That you matter so much to God that every single one of you is so deeply loved and cared for by God. Even if you showed up here and you don't believe that. And everything your parents have been telling you, everything coaches or teachers or any other adult or any other authority figure in your life has told you or made you feel that you're absolutely worthless. The truth is that when God wanted to save all of his creation, he sent his son to save his people, to save you, that you matter to God. Let's jump in real quick talking about demons. What is a demon Never in scripture when it talks about demons does it talk about them living. I had talked about this in sort of a bodily form. But here's what I want us to understand about demons. Demons are dangerous spiritual beings who serve alongside Satan in the destruction of all creation. They serve alongside Satan in the destruction of all creation. So why are, da- why are demons dangerous? Let me give you five reasons. Number one is this. Demons can temporarily live within an unbeliever. Demons, fallen angels, who remember Satan and all of his demons, their desire is for your future, which is their future, for your future to look like theirs. What's their future? Eternal separation from God. Their desire is to mess with you, to tempt you, to screw things up in your life so that your future would look like theirs. Danger number one is this. Demons can temporarily live within an unbeliever. In Mark chapter 1, 23 and 25, it says this. Just then a man in their synagogue who was possessed by an impure spirit cried out, what do you want with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are. You are the Holy One of God. Be quiet, said Jesus sternly, and come out of him. So in scripture, 
it's recorded that there are these occasions, and I believe they're still happening today, where demons can inhabit unbelievers. That's the really important phrase. Maybe some of you are followers of God, you're followers of Jesus, you're Christians, and you're going, could a demon ever possess my life? Absolutely not. If you, tr- if you truly are a follower of Jesus, if he is your Lord and Savior, here are your promise verses. 1 John 4, 4 says this, you, dear children, are from God and have overcome them because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. I'm gonna talk about this when we talk about spiritual warfare, but this is an incredibly important verse to hold on to because even though as Christians, and I need to, I need to warn you about this as followers of Jesus, that even though a demon can't inhabit you, a demon could try to mess with you, could, could try to throw you off, could try to scare you. We're going to talk about that in point number five. And one of the best things you can do is claim this verse. Memorize this, write this down, get it on your phone. 1 John 4.4, 4. the spirit of God that is in you is greater than any other spirit out there. That's what you have to hold on to. Another encouraging verse is 1 Corinthians 6, 19. Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. This means if the Holy Spirit is living in you. And how do you know that? If you're a follower of Jesus. If you surrendered your life to Jesus, the Holy Spirit lives inside of you. There's no room for a demon to live inside of you if the Holy Spirit is within you. Number two, demons can physically afflict people. Demons can physically afflict people. Mark chapter nine, verse 17 and 22. A man in the crowd answered, teacher, I brought you my son who is possessed by a spirit and has robbed him of speech. It has often thrown him into fire or water to kill him. But if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. So there's these accounts in scripture of demons literally afflicting people, causing pain to people. Number three, demons can promote false doctrines and worship. Paul says in 1 Timothy, the spirit clearly says that in later times, some will abandon the faith and follow deceiving spirits and things taught by demons. Okay, okay, let me make this real practical. Some of you, you're just going, man, I just want to hook up with my girlfriend. I want to go to that party and drink. I want to, I want to do that thing. And I know everybody that like is wise or mature in my life is telling me I shouldn't do that, but I just want to do that. I believe that demons are lying to you. I believe that your sin and your selfishness and your brokenness in concert, in partnership with demons are, are trying to get you to believe false things. And so students, it's very important that you question every feeling you have. And you ask yourself, is this feeling coming from a deceiving spirit or is this feeling coming from God? Is this how God would have me feel about my body or is this a lie from the enemy? Is this how God would have me feel about how I should interact with my boyfriend or girlfriend or is this a deceiving spirit? Begin to question, recognizing that every feeling that comes your way is not necessarily good for you. In fact, we'll talk about this. We're going to do our relationship series in February. We're going to talk about this. Your feelings don't care about you. Your feelings are telling you to do all kinds of things, and I believe some of them are influenced by deceitful spirits. It's important for you to question those. 
Number four, demons can perform false signs and wonders. In Revelation 16, 14, they are demonic spirits that perform signs. And they go out to the kings of the whole world to gather them for the battle of the great day of God Almighty. Let me just say something. I hope this doesn't offend you too much, but it's, it's just kind of what I believe about this. If you go to a, to a tarot card reading, to, to a psychic, and they begin to tell you things that you didn't know about your life, they begin to tell you things that have happened in your past there was no way that they could have known. You need to ask yourself, well, number one, why the heck am I there? Don't go there. But when you think about that whole idea, you need to literally ask yourself this question. Where are they getting their power? Where are they getting their power? You see, God works supernaturally, performs miracles. We're going to talk about that next week. But demons have power as well. And remember, their number one job is to distract you. In fact, I believe that Satan and demons have so many people so caught up in false spirituality, in these signs and these wonders. People talking about ghosts and believing in ghosts. I just honestly believe that all of that stuff is Satan's crafty way of keeping our attention off Christ. I think psychics, I think fortune tellers, I think talking about ghosts, all that stuff, Ouija boards, I mean, all that stuff, you guys. I believe Satan and demons are using it to keep your attention off of Christ, run away from that stuff. Let me just warn you, for some reason, I feel like maybe there's some of you in this room who are doing those kinds of things. Can I warn you that if you're playing with fire, you are going to get burned, if you're messing around with stuff that you shouldn't be messing around with, you are opening yourself up to demons and Satan pulling you away from God. Don't try to get as close to the line as possible. Run away from it into the presence of God. And number five, a demon's favorite weapon is fear. A demon's favorite weapon is fear. 2 Timothy 1.7 says this, For the spirit God gave us does not make us timid. It does not make us fearful, but it gives us power, love, and self-discipline. Did you know that in all of scripture, 365 times you will read this phrase, Do not be afraid or fear not. Do not be afraid or fear not. Y'all know how many days there are in a year? Charlie, how many days are there in a year? 365. That's right, bud. Public school system, it's not failing our kids. So, 365 days. And all over scripture, 365 times, God says, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. Fear not. Fear not. Do not be afraid. Satan loves to use the weapon of fear to stop you from boldly following him. Let's, get, let's make this real practical. You're walking around school. And you feel on your heart, man, I, I need to tell that person about Jesus. I need to offer prayer to that person. And all of a sudden, all these thoughts come into your mind. No, no, they think I'm weird or it won't go well. I'm too afraid to do that. Just ask yourself this question in life, you guys. Ask yourself this question. Would God desire me to do this thing that I'm going to do? Or would Satan desire me to do this thing? I don't want to over-spiritualize this for a minute, but, but some of you come on Wednesday nights, and, and you come here, and, and, and every Wednesday night you kind of have a battle. You're like, should I go to youth group tonight? Should, should I hang out at HSM? Should I, should I be there for my life group? Can I just ask you this question? 
Do you think God desires you to skip being in community? Or do you think Satan desires for you to skip being in community? You know what Satan loves to do and what demons love to do? They want to instill so much fear in you. Catch this, you guys. They want to instill so much fear in you that you isolate from absolutely everything and become completely disconnected from God, his community, and his purpose for your life. That's Satan and demon, what they want to do. They want to put so much fear inside of you that you isolate from community, that you isolate from God, that you isolate from living the purposeful, meaningful, significant, kingdom-centered, gospel-centered life that you were created to live. You guys, eternity is forever. Our job here is to share Jesus with as many people as we can. Don't forget, Satan and the demons, they love to use fear. As we close up, let me just say this last big idea. The cross of Christ, the cross of Christ makes Satan and every demon completely powerless. Colossians 2.15, and having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. Every fear you have is insignificant, has no power in comparison to the power of the cross. I've never shared this story with you guys before, but when I was um, 18 summers ago, when I surrendered my life to Christ, I was at a camp. I went to summer camp. And I remember exactly where I was sitting. Whoever it was was speaking and sharing and and right before they finished sharing, they said, I want to just tell you a dream that I had. And this was the dream that they had. He said that he, he was going through a time in his life where he was just kind of living like an apathetic Christian life. He'd go to church. He kind of maybe would read his Bible once in a while and went to camps and stuff. But Jesus just wasn't really compelling for him. And one night he said he, was, he had this dream where all of a sudden when he opened his eyes in the dream, he was standing in the middle of this bridge. And on this side, he saw Satan and some demons. And on this side, he saw God and some angels. And he's in the middle of the bridge. And all of a sudden, over here, God and his angels say, why don't you come over here? Come to our side. God says, I want to be with you. Come over here. And he said in his dream, he said, God, I'm just not ready for that. I know that that will cost me everything. I'm not ready to give that up to you. And all of a sudden, he noticed Satan and the demons just started laughing. One more time, God said to him, would you come over to our side? Come over here, please. I want you to be with us. And he said, no, I'm, I'm okay. I, I'd rather be right here. It feels safer right here. I know that that will cost me everything. And again, Satan and the demons just started laughing. And you guys, I was, I guess, 13 years old. And I was sitting in that chair, and then when he said this line, my heart just felt like it split open in two. He said, finally, he looked at God, and he said, why does Satan and the demons laugh every single time we have this conversation? And God said to him, because Satan owns the bridge. What he was saying is, 
as much as he felt like he was safe in the middle of this bridge, not totally choosing God, not totally choosing Satan, but living in this bridge, he thought it was safe. And God said to him, I'm sorry, but you need to understand Satan owns the whole bridge. Until you're on my side, you're on his side. Students, as you go into your life groups, I want you to really wrestle with these ideas. I want you to think about who God is and how maybe deceitful spirits, demons, have lied to you, have tried to rob you of living a fully free, passionate life after God. And maybe tonight, as you discuss, maybe tonight's the night that you get off that bridge and you find yourself in the embrace of your Heavenly Father. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we love you. We thank you. As we begin to process for a few minutes in our life group tonight, I pray, God, that you would make clear to us the ways that Satan and demons have been working in our lives. And God, may we take big steps towards you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.